The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. start off with a question, and, and the question is actually really simple, but, but it, it, it's, I think sometimes we don't understand it like we should, and the question is this, what is the resurrection all about? Why, why, did, why was Jesus raised from the dead? Now, I know if I, if I came to, to some of you and I asked you that question, you could probably, you know, give me an answer, but, but what I've discovered is I think a lot of people don't really fully understand what Easter is really all about. They, they understand parts of it, but they don't understand it fully. And because they don't understand it fully, they miss out on some of the things that, that God wants you to experience and that Jesus paid the price so that you could experience. And so today, I want to look at this with you and help you see what that is. Because here's what I believe. I believe that Easter is a 3D experience. I believe that the resurrection of, of, of Jesus is multidimensional. I think there's, there's three dimensions of it. Uh, now, for those of you who, who are new to the church, maybe you don't know me, one of the things you'll, you'll learn about me is that I love movies. I'm a big movie fan. Any movie fans in here this morning? I love movies. And, and I grew up, I was born uh, November 4th, 1979. For those of you who are mathletes, you're going, okay, he's 38 years old, there you go. And uh, I grew up, my childhood, I grew up in, in what I consider to be one of the greatest generations for a child to grow up in the movie era, and that is the 80s. Any 80s kids in here with me this morning? The 80s is where it was at, when, in, in my opinion, when it comes to movies, because we had like the Star Wars saga. I know it started in the 70s, but it finished in the 80s. We had Indiana Jones. We had Goonies, the Karate Kid, which, by the way, on Goonies, just so you guys know, if you haven't seen that in a while, I would encourage you to, to maybe read about it before you watch it with your kids, because apparently, in the 80s, we were a little bit looser with the cuss words than we are today with our kids, so just my... Just, just a word of caution there. I went to watch it with my wife, and we were both like, Did, what should we? Okay, so just be careful. <laughs> but, but in my time, my generation growing up, man, uh, movies were pretty incredible, but it's changed a lot, hasn't it? And, uh, and uh, it's funny, when movies first came out, the first movie ever actually came out in 1878, 1878. And uh, I actually have it for you this morning. You're going to get to watch a movie this morning here at New Song Church because it's only 15 seconds long, and, and here it is. Go ahead and put that up, guys. This is the first movie ever. And it's called Horse in Motion. <laughs> and that's it. It's because it's a, it's a horse in motion. So, so there it is. That's the first movie. Now, how many of you know movies have come a long way, haven't they? A long way. And I remember when I was a kid in the 80s, the movie watching experience was totally different than it is today. Like when I was a kid, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we had several theaters, but they were all kind of the same. You go in, there's about six, there's about six theaters within the movie. And, and all of the theaters are about the same size. You go in, anybody remember this? You go in and, and there's one aisle down the middle. These are now the dollar theaters, by the way, in case you're wondering. And, and, and there's one aisle down the middle. It was kind of sloped. The floor was sticky, right? Why? Because there's no cup holders. And, and I, remember, like, I remember being about 12 years old and they built this new theater in, in Tulsa in about 1992. And we had cup holders. And it was like, how have we not thought of this for 100 years? probably why the floors were always sticky and mu- the, the theaters were musty and, and there was a you know a screen the projection was you know okay there's a couple of pv speakers up on the wall the paneling is falling off it, it's it's not ideal so, but but that's all we knew and so we loved it but imagine going back to that today because it's changed today this past year i went to a couple of movies 
where I really shelled out the big bucks to get the experience. And, uh, and it, was, it was pretty amazing. One of them was I saw a movie in IMAX 3D. IMAX 3D. Now, I'm going to be totally real with you. I'm not a big fan of 3D movies typically uh, because I always feel like when I see them, I'm always really aware of the 3D glasses. Like I feel like I'm, I'm thinking about that more than I am the movie. And if you turn your head just right, it goes, goes out of focus and it just annoys me. So I, I typically don't like... 3D movies, but I had heard that, that IMAX was better. So I, I went to see this movie, and you go in, and the, the screen is enormous. It's like the size of this entire wall, the screen. The, the sound quality is incredible. And, uh, and so we're watching the previews, and then it gets to that point where, you know, it says on there, now put on your 3D glasses. And so we put our 3D glasses on, and it still looked terrible. <laughs> like, it looked all blurry. And so we're, me and my wife are sitting there, and we're kind of going, okay, well, you know, maybe there's something wrong, they need to adjust something, and so we're waiting and watching these previews, and it's not getting any better, and we're looking around the theater, and nobody else seems to be struggling with this except for us, so, so finally, we go out in the lobby, and we're like, hey, we're, we're seeing the IMAX movie in 3D, and, and it doesn't, like, our glasses don't seem to be working, and they're like, oh, you have the wrong glasses, and so this lady goes over to this drawer, and she opens it up, and it's like, oh, like, glory comes out of this drawer, and she hands us these glasses, and these are like, nice 3D glasses, like a little heavier, and, and we put them on, and they wrap around your face a little bit better, and you can turn your head, and it never gets blurry, and I'm telling you, it was an incredible movie experience when I had uh, that mo- when I saw it in IMAX 3D. Another one that we did was, was the Dolby Theater, the Dolby Theater. If you don't know about the Dolby Theater, uh, it's, they project the movie with these, with these laser projectors that actually shoot at 4K resolution, so it's like crystal clear, there's a hundred speakers in the theater. So audio is hitting you from just about every angle imaginable. But the, probably the coolest thing is the seats because the seats you sit in are like these big luxury leather seats that recline like a, like a hospital bed. But, but beyond that, they actually respond to the movie. They shake and they rumble and like within the action of the movie, the, the seat responds to it. And so when you're watching a movie in these kind of theaters, you're not just watching the movie your experience in the movie. It's like you become a part of the movie. Now, I was reading this week, and, and I read this article that was talking about Hollywood has, has been doing this thing for a few years where they're taking movies that were black and white that have been colorized, and now they're, they're, they're doing a third thing. They're, they're turning them into 3D movies. And this guy wrote this article where he had watched the same movie three different times in a row. He watched it black and white, then he watched it color, then he watched it 3D. And I thought it was really interesting what he had to say about it. He said this. He said, when I saw the movie in black and white, I got the facts of the story. He goes on to say, uh, when I saw it in color, the story got me. All of a sudden, it came alive. So it, it became more of his story. And he says, but when I saw it in 3D, I felt like I was a part of the story. I could reach out and touch it. I could feel it. I was actually experiencing it. Now, what are you getting at, man? Here's what I'm getting at. Let me tell you what I'm getting at. I believe that the Easter story is a 3D experience. I believe there are multiple dimensions to this story. And I believe God wants you to have the same kind of experience that this guy had when he experienced the movie in 3D, where it's not just... It's not just a story that you look at from a distance, but it's one that you actually step into and experience. And and I believe God wants to help you to see this story that way because this is what I believe about the Easter story. I believe it's not just about the past. It's not just about the future, but it's about the present. God wants you to experience something today. He wants you to experience what he has for you in a whole nother level. Okay, so there's three aspects. Let's jump right into this. There's three aspects 
to the Easter story that I want to look at. Three dimensions of it I want to talk about today. The first one is this. It's the proof of the resurrection. The proof of the resurrection. If you're taking notes, fill in the blank there. And, and here's what it is. It's the proof that it happened, and it's what that proves. So it's the proof that it actually happened, and then it's what that actually proves for us in our life. Okay. So a lot of people, when we think about the Easter story... Maybe you've heard it, and you, you think this is kind of what happened, that Jesus rose from the dead. There's a few people that saw him that day, and then he disappears and tells them, hey, you guys go get other people saved. Like, that's, that's kind of what happened. But that's not actually what happened at all. In fact, if you study out Scripture, what you're going to find is that, that Jesus, actually, after he rose from the dead, he was here on this earth for another 40 days. And during that time he was here, he was having interactions with tons and tons of people. He was, he was talking to people. They were talking to him. He was touching people, hugging people. They were touching him. He, he cooked fish for people at one time. He ate meals with people. He, he had this party one time on a hill with 500 people. Jesus was having all these different encounters with people. And when they had an encounter with him, it wasn't like a ghost. It wasn't a hologram. This was not help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This was really Jesus. He was really here. The resurrected Jesus Christ was here in the flesh having encounters with people. In fact, if you study it out, uh, Jesus had over 900 eyewitness accounts after his resurrection. 900 people. Think about that. In, In the court of law, if you had 900 witnesses to something... Like, no court in the, in the world is going to throw that out and say, nope, we need a little bit more evidence. No, that's, that's pretty good evidence right there, that he was who he said he was. In fact, I read something yesterday I thought was interesting. This guy was comparing uh, what happened with Watergate to what happened with the disciples. I thought this was kind of fascinating. There were 12 disciples, as you know, uh, after the resurrection of Jesus, for 40 years, they held on to that, to that truth. None of them ever strayed from that truth that he was resurrected. Many of them were martyred, were murdered, were killed. Some of them crucified, and none of them ever denied that. After Watergate happened, there were 12 guys that were a part of that. Within three weeks, all of them confessed to what had happened, and none of them were under the same kind of pressure that the disciples were. Here's what that tells me. It really happened. You're not holding on to something like that, going through what they were willing to go through if you don't believe it. And and after the resurrection, in a city of 200,000 people, 100,000 people come to know Jesus. Why? Because it really happened. And there were so many witnesses to it. It was incredible. In fact, Paul talks about it. He's like, go talk to some of these other people. I'm not the only one. Go, Go see. This really did happen. Jesus really did. He really was raised from the dead. So, so what does that mean? That's the proof of it. What does that prove? Well, here's what it proves. It proves that Jesus is who he claims to be. That he really was God's son. He really was God. He was the son of God. In fact, uh, it says this in the Bible, in Romans 1 verse 4, and he, Jesus, was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. He really was. The Bible has a lot to say about Jesus, before he came. In fact, for hundreds of years, there were prophecies that spoke to the Messiah who was going to come and what he was going to do and, and, and spoke really specific things. And here's what's interesting. There's 300 prophecies about what Jesus, what the Messiah was going to do, some that happened 700 years before he shows up on the scene. And, and Jesus fulfilled every one of those prophecies. There's 55 prophecies that speak to what's going to happen on the day of crucifixion in the Bible. And on the day of crucifixion, he ticked 55 boxes. And it wasn't like these prophecies were not like, he's going to be cool. Like, no, 
These were like legit specific prophecies. Prophecies like he was going to be born in this city, but he was going to be raised in this city. Prophecies like he was going to ride into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, that he was going to be crucified beside two sinners. There's a prophecy that that happened hundreds of years before Jesus that said that when he was crucified, that the two men beside him, their legs would be broken, but not his his bones would not be broken. How how could he possibly fulfill that? Like he, he can't control that. There's a prophecy uh, hundreds of years before David. Remember David? David and Goliath? You heard that story before? David prophesied about the Messiah in the Bible. He said that, that he was going to be crucified before crucifixion was a thing. <laughs> like, that's amazing. How, ca- how could he talk in detail about something that doesn't even exist hundreds of years before? How could he do that? How could Jesus accomplish all this? Here's how. He really was who he said he was. He was God. Yeah. Only God could do that. And listen, my friends, that's the proof of the resurrection. Jesus is the son of God. He is God. And he really was raised from the dead. And that's great. That's good news, right? But that's just the black and white. That's just kind of the facts. Just the facts, ma'am. That's all that really is. But there's a color version of this story. And that is this. That's the promise of the resurrection. The promise of the resurrection. And here's the promise of the resurrection. The promise of the resurrection is Jesus will resurrect me. That one day when when this life is over, when my flesh dies, because we're all going to face that at some point in our life, when when, when this life is over, that I have a promise of eternal life with Jesus Christ. I have a promise of eternal life in heaven because of what, what God has done through Jesus, his son, because of the gift that he offers us of salvation. I don't, I don't have to, to, to be weary of what my life is going to look like. I don't have to go to a place like hell. I don't have to, my life doesn't end. I get to go on and have eternal life with Jesus Christ. And it's not by anything I've done. It's based on what he has done. Jesus said this about it in John 11, verse 25. He said, I am the resurrection. I'm it, guys. That's what he's saying. You want to be resurrected, it's going to, it's going to come through me. I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. That's a pretty incredible promise. But only, and only Jesus could make that promise because he was God. Only God could make that kind of promise to you in your life. Go, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 14 says this, And God will raise us up from the dead by his power just as he raised the Lord from the dead. The good news for me and you, the promise of the resurrection is just as God raised Jesus from the dead by his spirit, he wants to raise you from the dead by his spirit and give you eternal life. And it's not by anything you do. It's not by your performance because, listen, your performance is never going to be good enough. Because what God requires is perfection, and you can't do that. But you can receive the perfection of Jesus Christ. You can receive his perfection because of what he's done. He can, you can substitute your life for his, and you can receive all that he's done for you and experience the life he's called you to. That's called grace. And it's not something you earn. It's not something you deserve. But it's something that is offered to you as a free gift because of what Jesus has done. And let me just tell you, if that's the end of the story, that's a pretty good story, isn't it? I mean, if, if that's all it was, and we're, we're promising, you know, the Bible says we're all sinners, we all mess up, we all make mistakes, we deserve hell, we deserve death, but we're given this promise of new life. If that's where the story ended, that'd be really good. But, but the question is, is that really what Jesus came to do? Is that the end of it? Because here's what I want you to see today, it's not. Because there's a life that you're living right now that God wants to touch. See, the resurrection of Jesus is, just about, is not just about what he did in the past, It's not just about this promise of of this future thing that he has for you. It's about what he wants to do for you today. 
And, and that's where we get into the third dimension of the resurrection, which is the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection. And the power of the resurrection is this. God wants to transform your life right now. He wants to help you. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to work in your life today. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. Easter is not just about a future freedom. It's about a present power. The power of the resurrection is a power God has made available to us for today, for everyday living on this side of heaven. But a lot of people never experience this. A lot of people, they may believe in the proof of the resurrection. They may believe in the promise of someday getting to go to heaven. They may have even sat in a service at one time and heard someone talk about this and and said, you know, that sounds really good. I want to be able to go to heaven, so I'll make Jesus my Savior. I'll throw up my hand and do that. But, But they're living this life on earth very defeated. They're living like Jesus is still in the tomb, and because of that, they've got death all around them. And their life looks no different than anybody else's. But I'm telling you, that's not where it ends. Jesus has more for you. And the life he's called you to is a life of freedom and power that he wants you to experience today. Let let me show you this in the Bible. Okay, we're going to jump into some scripture here. Bear with me. Stick with me. This is going to be really good, all right? Paul says this in Ephesians 1.19. He said, I pray that you will understand. Some some, uh, translations say, or know, or grasp. He wants you to understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. So there's a power Paul wants you to understand. He wants you to get to know. He wants you to grasp this power that God has for us who are believers in Jesus Christ. This is the same mighty power, look at this, that raised Christ Jesus from the dead and seated him in a place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms. Okay, so Paul is saying this. I want you to to experience this power that God has for you, this resurrection power. I want you to know it. I want you to, to experience it in your life. And then, so, so what is that power? Okay, well, look at this with me. 1 Peter 3, verse 18 says this. For Christ died for sins once and for all. That's talking about the crucifixion. Jesus went to the cross, and he suffered and died, and all the sins of the world were placed on him. It says the righteous for the unrighteous. He was righteous. He never sinned. He never made a mistake a day in his life for the unrighteous. That's me and you. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We can accept his perfection for our imperfection. To bring you to God. Because of what he's done, we can now be connected to God. He was put to death in the body. Now look at this. But made alive by the Spirit. What made him alive was the Spirit of God. So Paul says, I want you to experience this power. There's a power that that is the resurrecting power of, of God that I want you to experience. I want you to come to know it. What is that power? That power is the Spirit of God. Okay, now here's where it gets really cool. All right? Lean in with me. Stay tuned with me. This is so good. Look at what it says here in Romans 8, verse 11. The Spirit of God. Okay, we're talking about the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. That's what we're talking about this morning. Look at this. Lives in you. Turn to the person beside you and say, can live in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. My friends, this is amazing. Paul is saying that that this power, this resurrection power, God wants you to experience. I want you to know it. I want you to understand it. It's the Spirit of God, and that Spirit of God comes to live inside of you when you make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. That power of God comes to live in you to give you victory in this world. Not in that, this isn't something for heaven. You're not going to need victory in heaven because there's nothing bad in heaven. You need it here on this earth where you're struggling, where there's tough stuff that you're, you're having to face. Because listen, you're going to face tough stuff in this world. I'm not telling you today that everything's going to be rosy because you make Jesus the Lord of your life. Because it's not. 
You're going to face some tough stuff. You're going to face hard times. You're going to face disappointment. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world full of sin and bad stuff. And, and you, as a, as a Christian, even if you're a Christian, you still have a flesh that you have to get to submit to the things of God. You have a mind, a will, and emotions that has to be transformed by, by renewing it through the Word of God. So, so you're going to face stuff in this world, but here's the good news. Because of the power living within you, the Spirit of God living within you, when you face stuff, you can always walk in victory. Can I get an amen? This is good stuff, my friends. This is what God came to do. It's a completed work of the cross that he wants you to experience, not someday, today and every day. You can have that if you will just connect with God. Now, but what, what happens is, and you've probably seen this, maybe you're even walking in this today. That, th- that may be true, but, but I'm, not, I'm not experiencing that. I, I, I've, I, my life looks no different than anybody else's. I'm facing all sorts of problems and all sorts of pain and you know, maybe, maybe you find yourself here today and, you're, and, and you've, you know, raised your hand at one time. You said, Jesus, I want you to be the Savior of my life, but, but you've got the four F's at work in your life. When I say the four F's, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about failure. I'm talking about frustration. I'm talking about fear. I'm talking about fatigue. Your life is hard, and those things seem to dominate you. You're dominated by fear, fear of the past catching up with you, fear of what the future holds, fear of not everything working out the way you want it to. You're you're dominated by frustration. You're frustrated with with your life. You're frustrated with your marriage. You're frustrated with your kids. You're frustrated with what's going on around you. You're you're dealing with failures. You keep failing. No matter how hard you try, it seems like it's never enough. You keep going back to the same things that you've struggled with in the past. You You just keep failing, and you're tired. You're fatigued. You're worn out. It's so hard to continue to go through life. If, if, listen, if that's the life you're living, that's not the life Jesus called you to walk in. That's not what Jesus died on the cross to give you. He wants to resurrect your life. The resurrection power of the Spirit of God within you is a power to give you pa- power to overcome the temptations of this world. To quit falling for the stuff that you've fallen for over and over again. It's a power to be patient with your kids. Can I get an amen? I don't know about you, but I need that. I need patience. Sometimes I, I, I need patience with my spouse. I need patience with my coworkers. I need, I need patience from time to time. The Spirit of God wants to give you that power. He wants to give you the power to be bold, to be able to share your faith, to tell other people about what God's done in your life. That's what God wants you to do. He wants to empower you to look like Jesus, to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I think I just said kindness. I don't think that exists, but who knows? Here's some, uh, that, that can be produced in you if you're connected to God the right way. And so, so if this is true, then how do we access it? Because, again, if this is true, why am I not experiencing it? Well, if you're going to experience it, let me, let me illustrate this for you, okay? I've got this little blender with me this morning. This is my little hand blender from my house, and I use this to make protein shakes and smoothies for the kids and we, we, you know, soups and different things we use this thing for at our house. And it's a great little kitchen tool. It's really helpful, really useful. And uh, what's great about it is it's, you know, it's easy to use and it's made to, to work properly and everything's here. All the wiring is within it. Everything's there. There's just one problem. As I push the button, nothing's happening. Why is nothing happening? Because it's not plugged in, Right? It's not connected to a, to a source that will empower it to do what it was created to do. But, but if, I, if I go down here and I grab this little electrical cord that's connected to, to power source and I connect it, now all of a sudden, I don't know if you can hear that, this is dangerous, but, <laughs> but, there, but it's, pow- it's empowered now 
to do what it was created to do. Everything was there, but now when it's connected to the source, it can actually function the way it was designed to function. Listen, my friends, when, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, he places inside of you all the hardwiring. Everything you need is there. But if you're not plugging into it, it may be there, but you're not going to experience it. So what do we need to do? We need to plug in. So how, how do we plug in? Here's, here's what that looks like. Plugging in means this. It means we pursue knowing God. Pursue knowing God. Philippians 3, Paul says this. He says, my aim is to know him. Now we'll stop right there. God wants you to, to know him. And that's, that's called relationship. This isn't religion. This is relationship is what he's talking about. And, and he wants you to know him. You know, in order for you to have a relationship with someone, you need to know them. And, and it's not an information ship he's talking about here. He's talking about a real relationship. And some of us, what we do is we settle for an information ship with God because we see God as like a historical figure. Like, for example, um, one, of my, one of the people that I'm, I'm really fascinated with is a guy named Walt Disney. You may ever heard of Walt Disney before? I'm really fascinated by Walt Disney. And I've, I've read books about Walt Disney. I've watched documentaries about Walt Disney. I've watched all the Disney movies. I've gone to Disney theme parks. I, I find him to be fascinating, what he was able to accomplish, what all he did in his life. And I've, I've studied him. I know a lot about him, but here's the thing. I don't know him. I don't know him like his daughters did. And I can't know him. I can, I can learn a lot about him, but I, I can't know him. Why? Because he's not here. And some of us, that's how we, we look at God. Like we, we, we can study him, we can learn a lot about him. We, we want to learn what he likes and what he doesn't like because we don't want to make him mad. But we can't really, we can't know him, we can't have a relationship with him. But I'm here to tell you that you can. Because, because God's not out here somewhere. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, he's in here. He comes to live within you. And he wants to be inside of you. He wants to speak to you and direct you. Maybe you're sitting here this morning going, speak to me? Like for real? Yeah. God wants you to know him in that way. In fact, the Bible says that my sheep hear my voice. We're called sheep in the Bible. Turn to the person beside and say, bah. And he says, one of the, one of the things that, that shows that you're a believer is that you, you hear his voice. Maybe you're sitting here going, I've never heard the voice of Jesus. I've never heard the voice of God. Well, maybe you have. You just don't understand it. Stick around here long enough and you will. But I'm telling you, God wants you to know him. And he wants you to know him in a real way where you walk with him. It's not an information ship. It's a, it's a real relationship. That's what Paul's talking about. I pray that you know this. That he goes on to say that you experience the power of his resurrection. That's what we're talking about, right? He wants you to experience it. Why? Because that's the part that transforms your life. That's the part that changes everything. He says to share in his sufferings and to be like him in his death. In other words, he, what he's saying here is, is he wants you to be empowered to live a sacrificial life like Jesus was able to live. To live a life that's not just about you, it's about other people. It's about helping other people come to know God. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, not that I have already attained this, that is, I have not already been perfected. Now this is Paul talking here. He wrote a third of the New Testament. He's considered to be one of the great disciples of all time. And he's saying, I haven't arrived yet. I, I, I'm, I'm still... In fact, he goes on saying, I'm still striving. He says this, I, I strive to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Here's what he's saying. I know there's more that God has for me, and I'm not giving up until I get it all. I know that through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, there are things that I'm not grasping, and I'm going to keep striving until I get them all. And listen, that's what you have to do. And in order to do that, you're going to have to plug in. 
you're going to have to pursue knowing God. So what does that look like? Let me, let me show you real quick, real practical. There's the practical things. You want to pursue knowing God, here's what you got to do. Number one, you got to repent. you got to repent. There's no way around it. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Isaiah 59 in the Bible says that our sins separate us from God. You can't know somebody you're separated from. And because of our sin, we can't connect with God. Our imperfection keeps us from knowing a perfect God. But Jesus came, died on the cross so that we could connect with him. So we could, we could be, go close to him like Jesus said in that verse earlier. And, but in order to do that, we're going to have to repent. We're going to have to say that we've messed up and we, we've, we want to repent of our sins and change from the way we've been living our life. I mean, I'll talk to you more about that here in just, a mi- in just a minute. The second thing that you have to do is you have to obey. You have to obey. This is where you move from Jesus just being your Savior to Him being your Lord. Because Lordship, here's what Lordship is, just so you know. Lordship means that He's the boss. And a lot of people don't want to do this. Like, we want Jesus to save us, but we don't, but we want to be our Lord. We want to do things our way. And let me just tell you, it doesn't work that way. If you want Jesus to be your Savior, He's got to be your Lord. But if you make Him your Lord, He becomes your Savior. And he's got an incredible life for you. And and so when you obey him, let me just tell you what you're doing. You're loving him. That's what John 14 says. Look at this. John 14, 21. Those who accept my commandments. This is Jesus talking, by the way. And obey them are the ones who love me. When you obey what God tells you to do, when you obey his word, then you love him. That's how you love him. It goes on to say, because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. When you love God, he's able to reveal himself. When you obey him, he's able to reveal himself in more real ways. You're able to experience more of him. You're able to have more of his power in your life. If you want to experience that, you're going to have to plug in. You got to do things his way. And part of that is you obey God. You do what he's called you to do. Here's the third thing you got to do. You got to seek. You got to seek. Seeking means it's not just a a once and done thing. Seeking means you don't just come to church on Easter or on Christmas or every once in a while, but you come to to church all the time. You're seeking God. You're seeking to connect with Him. I don't know about you, but in relationships in my life, if I want them to be good relationships, I have to seek that relationship. If I have a relationship where I, I hardly ever see that person, that's not a real good relationship. In a relationship, if we want to be empowered by God, see, here's what we do. We, we come just a few times, we connect with God here and there, and then something goes wrong in our life, and we're going, where's God? Why isn't he showing up? Well, here's the problem. See, when, when you're not seeking God like he asks you to through his word, here's what you're saying to God. God, I, I got this. And when you say that to God, here's what he says. Have at it, my friend. You got it? Go ahead. You can have it. Because as much as God loves you, listen, You've got to be submitted to his way of doing things. He loves you. Don't get me wrong. He loves you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross. The Bible says, While you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. That means he took a thousand steps towards you before you ever took one towards him. And he wants to help you. He wants to empower your life and change your life and change your todays. He really does. I've experienced it. But... If you're going to experience that, you're going to have to be willing to seek him. Seek him by, by getting into his word. Seek him by worshiping him, by praying. Invite him into your every day. Not just every once in a while, your every day. That's lordship. And I'm telling you, that will change your life. And I can tell you that because I've experienced it. At one point in my life, I had an information ship with God. I grew up in church. I knew all the information. I knew all the stuff. But... I had never made Jesus the Lord of my life. He was the Savior. 
He, I, I knew about the proof. I knew about the promise. And I was looking forward to the promise. But I was the Lord of my life. And my life was a mess. I had addictions. I was angry, full of pride. I, I, was, I was living in the four F's that I talked about earlier. And, and my marriage was about to fall apart. And I got to this place where I was like, I can't keep living this way. And so I went to the Lord. I said, God, I give you my life. I give you everything. I, I can't do this anymore. I, I humble myself. That's what seeking God really is. It's saying, God, I, I, I seek you. I humble myself to say, I can't be the God of my life. I don't have, it's not in me. And it's not in any of you. You were never created to be your own God. And there's a hole in your heart that can only be filled by Jesus Christ. And so I humbled myself and I turned to God. And you know what I found? He came running to me. And he came to be my helper, to walk with me. He, he empowered me by his spirit to be the father I was called to be, to be the husband I was called to be, to be the leader I was called to be. He changed everything. When I was just willing to say, God, here's my life. Giving your life to God is the greatest life you could ever experience. And I'm here to tell you today that Easter is something God wants you to experience today. It's not about something he did in the past It's not about just a promise of something he wants to give you in the future. It's about what he wants to do in your life today. And the God that I know and the God that I serve is a God of glorious resurrection. And what he wants to do in your life is he he wants to resurrect the dead. The deadness of your life. Maybe there's areas of your life today and you say, man, those areas are dead. My marriage is dead. I don't don't love my spouse anymore. Or, Or she or he doesn't love me anymore. That's okay. If God could resurrect Jesus from the dead in the greatest act of power that the world has ever known, his spirit living within you can empower you to resurrect whatever problem you may be dealing with. Maybe you're here today and you're dealing with some kind of an addiction, addiction to drugs, addiction to alcohol, addiction to pornography. I don't, I don't know what you may be facing. I'm here to tell you that no matter how strong of a grip it may have on you, listen, death had a pretty strong grip on Jesus the resurrection broke the grip of that off of him. And the Spirit of God wants to resurrect you and break anything off of you. No matter what you're dealing with today, I'm here to tell you, the resurrected King wants to resurrect you today. Wants to resurrect any deadness that you're dealing with today. It's available if you're willing to plug in. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, we are grateful today for who you are, and for what you've done for us. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for making a way when there was no other way. And we thank you today that as we look at the cross and we look at the work that you did on the cross, what we see in front of us is a completed work, that you took care of everything. And it touches every aspect of our life. It touches us spirit, soul, and body. It touches our past, our present, and our future. And we're grateful today that we can receive such an amazing gift I pray, Lord, today that if there's anyone under the sound of my voice who doesn't know you, that they would come to know you. They would recognize your spirit speaking to them today so that they could step into the power that you have for them today in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God like you know you should, and listen, you know I'm talking to you right now because I'm not the only one talking to you right now. There's something inside of you right now that's saying, come to Jesus. There's something inside of you. Listen, that's, that's the Spirit of God. That's the voice of God. I talked to you earlier about how the voice of God works. Here's how the voice of God works. It, it, it's like your thoughts. See, God is a spirit, 
And he wants to speak to you through his spirit. And, and when you hear that, it's interpreted by your mind. So it sounds like your thoughts. It's not a booming voice from heaven. We get that idea sometimes, but that's not really how it works. It's just like these thoughts that you get inside your mind. And maybe right now you're thinking, I got to get right with God. I got to get this right. Maybe right now you, you hear the voice of God saying to you, quit, quit playing games. Quit living with one world in the, in the world and one we're one foot in the world and one foot in the church. It's time to get real. It's time to really surrender. So if you're here today and, and maybe you find yourself like me, you, you have an information ship with God, or maybe you've raised your hand once. You said, I want Jesus to be my savior, but you've never really made him the Lord of your life. I'm here to tell you it's the best decision you can ever make. Or maybe you're here today and you've made, you, you've set, you've prayed a prayer and, but you know, right now you're not where you should be with the Lord. No matter where you may be, maybe you've never had any kind of connection to God. Wherever you find yourself today, I'm here to tell you, the resurrected king wants to resurrect you today. And you can experience that if you're willing to turn and give your heart to him. So so here's what I want to do. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. This is just between me, you, and God. If you're here today and you know you're not right with God and you want to get right with him, you want to leave today knowing that you're right with God. If that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed, just between me, you, and God, I want you to just lift up your hand real quick. Put your hand up. If that's you, put your hand up. I see a couple hands going up. Yes, hands going up all over the room. Okay, you can put it up, you can put it right back down. If that's you, put that hand up. Don't be shy. This is the greatest decision you'll ever make. You truly want to commit your life to Jesus Christ today. Go ahead and put that hand up, slip it up, put it right back down. Hands are going up all over the room. Awesome, awesome. Okay, do this. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I want you to pray a prayer with me this morning. And we're all going to pray this prayer together. Whether you've prayed it before or, or you've never prayed it before, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And something incredible is going to happen. You may not feel any different, but I'm telling you, the Bible says that when you pray this prayer, that by praying it, you're confessing with your mouth and in believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you become born again, that your spirit, that old sinful nature of yours is washed away, is, is, is taken out, and God gives you a brand new spirit. You're made new in Jesus Christ. It's a miracle. And it's amazing. And that's what's going to happen to some of you in here as you pray this prayer. So pray this with me. Everyone in here, loud and proud, say, say, Dear Jesus, thank you for what you did for me. I want to enjoy everything that the death and resurrection of Jesus offers me. I accept your proof that you are the Son of God. I believe your promise that you are the only one who can give me eternal life. You deserve to be the Lord of my life. I need your power. I want to know you and the power of the resurrection on a daily basis. I turn to you. I receive you into my life. Power wash my soul. Forgive me. Cleanse me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.